0: You are listening to Governance 360, a Link Group podcast hosted by me, Lindsay Dowd. Hello, everyone, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the next Link podcast. Our topic for today is SRD2 and the future of transparency. And as well as our industry expert internally, Jay Baker, I'm very pleased to welcome our external speakers for today. They're both from Proximity. Jonathan Smalley is the co-founder of Proximity, and Andrew Myers is project manager. So just to kick off, um, Jonathan and Andrew, could I just ask you to explain a little bit more about proximity and your roles within the company?
1: Yeah, sure. Perhaps I'll uh, perhaps I'll, I'll I'll lead off. So so much Jonathan Smalley, uh, co-founder of Proximity. Um, so we originally conceived Proximity uh, sort of about two and a half years ago, as as at that point in time, kind of no no preconditions around it. We just looked at the, the world of you know investor communication specifically, you know the, the proxy voting ecosystem, and just said nothing really should be this complicated in this day and age. Um, and that was really the the, the seed that, that we decided to sow, and, and from that sprang at some point proximity. Uh, I've been through several kind of rounds of, of, of iterations of the platform, um, but fundamentally it looks to address the complexity that sits between you know a company and their shareholders and make the communication as seamless, frictionless, and transparent as possible, um, and try and design away all of the complexity that, that I think we certainly feel no one should really have to face uh, anymore. Um, and that was it. And then, you know, we slowly grew the team as we grew the idea. And Andy joined us, uh, I think, well over over two years ago now. Two years ago, yeah. Um, so Andy joined the team to to kind of head up the product management function as we took on more and more kind of work within the team. Um, and the team's now, you know, over over twenty strong. Um, you know, and that's uh, something that we that we continue continuing excited to progress, both develop the platform, build the team, and and hopefully solve solve more and more of these problems. Um, Andy, do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Sure. So, yeah, I'm Andrew Myers. I'm the product manager for Proximity, as you said. Um, been with the company under sort under of two years now. And prior to that, spent about 10 years in the proxy provider space uh, in operations, client services, and product, where I got to see a lot of the challenges that John outlined in terms of how uh, things work today and how it could be done much better and how technology could bring a lot more to make it a much better way uh, to execute than it is today.
3: That's great. Thank you, uh, Andy. Can I ask you, Andy, just to uh, identify for the listeners, what the complexity of proxy appointments is in in the current uh, investor chain, from our clients' perspective, what they see or the issue of clients sees, is that that uh, influx of voting or, or appointments on the last day. Yeah. What What does proximity do to address that? Well, if you think about it, with, with voting, you know the two most important players
2: really are the company and, and the shareholder. Um, and, and and in that we've we've got the challenge of getting a, a communication together from the issuer when they announce meeting to the investor. The chain that that has to go through to get there is you know is very complex today. Um, there's a lot of players involved in passing that communication along the chain. There's a lot of re-entry of information, a lot of, you know a lot of paper, a lot of inefficiency. Um, so when it comes to voting back, uh, to your point, Jay, the same problem plays back the other way. When the investor wants to vote be it via a platform or whatever form they take, the vote has to be passed all the way back up that chain. And it's done really via a number of, sort of operational practices. So there's a lot of deadline padding that gets put onto the investor that cuts down their time to vote, to pass the vote, usually through a proxy provider, through a custodian, a local agent, yeah. onto maybe an issuer agent before it gets there. So what all those operational people do in the chain really is they hold the voting up, because they don't have to recreate that operational work over and over and over. And they wait until the very end to pass it down the chain, at which point, you know, the issuer then receives all the voting at the very end. With proximity, we create a unique pathway between the issuer and the investor. We collect the positions from the custodians to create a unique pathway of ownership that allows us to know who owns what shares. So when the issuer announces their meeting, it can be instantly delivered to the investor. And when the investor votes back, it can be instantly delivered electronically directly to the issuer. So that delay and waiting to the very end or padded deadlines goes away. And there's a direct instant connection and communication of votes to the issuer.
3: Excellent. Thank you. That's really, really useful. Jonathan, you were just going to add something. Yeah,
1: I I think there's two points I would just add to that just to give context. The first one is like, why are things like that? And the second one is like, does everybody realise it's like that? The first one is the the reason that investor communications is difficult like that is just a consequence of the way shares are held. Right, and look, that exists for a very good reason to keep costs down. But that introduces this concept where we've got layers and layers of intermediaries, effectively yeah. handling the same interme- information. We're all doing the same thing to get it out to the person that you know really cares about it, and that's the shareholder of the company. Yeah. Um, to to redesign the process, you know, to make proxy voting seamless, and then make holding and settling shares very, very complicated it would be a little bit like the tail wagging the dog. Yeah. So, look, the reason the process is like that is, you know, for a very good reason in terms of look. It's cost effective to hold shares through intermediaries, not direct in every single market, connecting with the securities depository, or in some cases, connecting with a local agent bank. Um, So the reason for those intermediaries is very, very important, but it doesn't doesn't lend itself well to a seamless communication process because of the length of intermediaries involved. And if you multiply that sometimes in a cross-border scenario between a company and their real shareholder, it could be six or seven intermediaries that have to handle the same information and pass it back and forth. And I think important for context, the first part of the journey in proximity was, you know, look, we found a problem. We didn't quite know the solution. Um, And what we said to ourselves is, have we got this right? Okay, let's go and speak to people and understand, is this right? We went and spoke to some of the largest issuers around, particularly in the UK. We spoke to their investor relations team, some company secretaries. We also spoke to the institutional shareholders and a lot of intermediaries in between and got their experience. And I think one of the most consistent themes was people at either end of the chain, Don't quite get the complexity in the middle. And I would always say, well, why should you? It should be easy. It's the industry, if you like, the way Shares that's made your experience complicated. Um, And a lot of them have put on top of that, you know, band aids or plasters to kind of shield them from the true complexity. And whether that's, you know, agent services or their own spreadsheets or whatever, but the process has become complicated and that leads to some quite strange end user behavior, which, you know, we think in, you know, particularly in the 21st century, can all be solved by, you know, particularly by modern technology. Um, and, and that's kind of what, what, what led us here on the journey.
3: Absolutely. So moving as we as we are now towards, um, we won't say the Brexit word, but we are looking at, uh, with that integration into Europe, we've got SRD2 coming down the track. Talk to me or explain to our listeners what proximity does in terms of compliance here around SRD2.
1: Yeah, so when, when we originally started evolving the idea around proximity, the you know, SRD2 was something being discussed um, within the EU, um, but there wasn't at that, you know, stage in time any, you know, the, the directive wasn't finalised, there was no implementing regulation. So it's really something that's happened as we've been on the journey. So, you know, we felt, you know, proxy voting, for, you know, appointment of proxies, whatever you, you want to call it, was something that we wanted to fix anyway. SRD2 kind of brings to the forefront, um, you know, Lots of people looking to solve the problem, Uh, and really at the core of srd 2 I would say are enhanced requirements for intermediaries when they handle proxy voting information and and new requirements for issuers when they communicate that information, Uh, and as well as adjacent frameworks that that are trying to be harmonised about shareholder disclosure and, and identity. So this is, if you like, something that's going to force a lot of change, going to force people to do things differently or do things they haven't done before. Um, and proximity is ideally, you know, we would say ideally suited to solve many of those problems. Um, you know, everybody could run away and build their own solution to meet these of the requirements. But hang on a minute, we have a we have a platform that we that we think is eighty percent of the of the way there, and we still have a year to run before these these requirements come into force. Yeah,
3: and you mentioned their transparency, uh, and and that's at the forefront of a lot of issues. Mind whether it's the enhanced transparency that they'll they'll be able to obtain via SRD2. Uh, and one of the um, burning issues for, for registrars and, and issue agents generally and issuers is the vote confirmations that SRD2 yeah. uh, requires. Assuming proximity provides solutions for that, can you just talk us through about how that works or, or what it actually delivers? The vote confirmation. Process. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so today, obviously, one
2: of the main challenges is with that sort of process as it is today. When a vote gets submitted by an investor, that's often the last they, they hear of it. They, if they're putting it in via a provider at the end of the chain, it's flowing through the custodians, through uh, a registrar registration to the issuer. They don't know then what happens at the meeting. Was their vote counted at the meeting? SRV2 does seek to address this by mandating issuers to either proactively or upon request provide a vote confirmation. This is something we're doing already today in the UK market in proximity. So today when we've submitted voting to the, to the issuer agent, um, and it's then been represented at the meeting, we take a feed post the meeting of all the votes that were counted uh, in an electronic file that allows us to play back to the investor that their vote was actually counted at the meeting and via the platform they can see that. Uh, so it gives them a layer of transparency and comfort that their vote was represented, whereas in the in, in the old days, if you like, or prior to that, they wouldn't really know. So really, proximity is well poised for SRD2 to support that new requirement that will
3: be mandated uh, on issuers. Excellent. I mean, generally speaking, then, information flow is king here. So it's not just about providing that data through the chain, at the front end of meeting uh, announcement. There's the, there's the voting or the proxy appointments process and, of course, the, the the vote confirmation at the end. So for, for, for issuers, I guess, this is a good tick for good corporate governance because it's reaching a much wider audience. But what does Proximity do in terms of its reach? So at the moment, proximity is a Citibank product. How are you going to engage with other custodians or other market players in order to expand your your presence?
1: Yeah, so so, so that's a really really good point for us to touch on. The origin of proximity is from within Citibank, right? We were we were initially sponsored through Citibank's uh, x program, which you know is a uh, an internal uh, incubation funnel, if you like, trying to take you know brand new ideas from employees and involve them either into you know standalone business lines or standalone product lines um i think we firmly believe for a long time and 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 so is the organization thankfully that that that, you know to maximize the value of proximity to both sets of end users right and remember it's their problems we're trying to solve the problems of the companies and the problems of of their shareholders to maximize the value and the benefit to them um proximity needs to connect with you know other custodian banks rather than city now of course city is a very large global custodian bank the largest um, you know, direct custody going out out there, but that is not only part of the picture for an issuer. You know, the shares in issue of any one issuer are, are, are locked up in the accounts of you know, multiple custodians. Yeah. And if you flip it on its head and look at the shareholders, institutional shareholders, very few have concentrated their entire, you know, custody uh, provision through a single provider for, for obvious reasons. Right? You would you would you would spread it. You know, with multiple providers purely from a risk point of view, rather than concentrating it through one provider. Yeah. So I'm not saying anything controversial there. So that kind of informed our strategy of you know how do we open proximity up to the marketplace as much as possible, um, and that's that's firmly part of our vision as you know proximity as a as a platform that anybody can connect with. Um, the more people we connect with, the greater visibility and transparency we give to issuers and companies about their shareholder base, and the more problems we solve for an increasing number of institutional investors. Um, and if you think about the average behavior of an intermediary, they're all doing the same thing. They're all either handling this information or employing somebody to handle it for them in, yeah. in, in a very, you know, operationally burdensome manual way, which, you know, doesn't meet the needs of the director of the implementing regulation, and a lot of time doesn't make sense from a business point of view. Yeah. Um, so we think we're appealing really to both sets of end users. That's whose problems we're trying to solve, as well as solve, you know, a problem that The Intermediaries have by default just by okay. Well, I'm I'm the custody provider, I hold the share, so I and I have to facilitate this process. Yeah,
3: and this isn't the UK only problem either.
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, there are obviously many, many wonderful flavors out there of of how (laughs) shares get voted in various markets. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. um, you know, weird and wonderful practices out there. You know, whether it's physical attendance, whether it's powers of attorney, whether it's you know, voting on paddleboard, I've even seen. Um, it's it's remarkable, but in general. The basis of the problem is the same everywhere. Um, you know, we 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 have been mindful and very thoughtful about the platform for the UK market should look and feel the same as the platform for Spain or Australia or wherever else where we you know we, we may intend to go to. Um, so there is some kind of nuances we need to factor into the process because every country has their own local regs and rules and legislation. Um, but that's just all part of the challenge and all part of the journey as we roll the platform out.
3: And what are your, or rather, what what are the company's aspirations for the future in terms of global reach? Uh,
1: so, look, the immediate focus, I, I, I think, is on is on the EU markets with um, with the impending regulation. creating a lot of demand for services. It creates new uh, new requirements that you know the ecosystem is looking for solutions in. Um, but you know, clearly, there's markets outside the EU that, that are very, very large. Large numbers of listed issuers, large amounts of you know, institutional, uh, you know, investor ownership. Um, so, you know, we can't go everywhere at once for obvious reasons, but um, we have a pretty, pretty solid plan about, about how to how to take on. And, you know, if you can get the platform out to, you know, 35, 40 markets, you're roughly covering 85, 90% of, of the volume yeah. anyway out yeah. there. And, and, and that's just <clears> part <throat> of the natural kind of evolution of the, of the platform.
3: Fantastic. Going back to the Transparency issue. And I think this is going to be an important uh, point to understand for, for issuer companies. It's all very well and, and good them understanding or trying to understand that they're going to have greater transparency, but what transparency? What does that mean for them? What will they actually get, or or what will they be able to see in terms of the underlying holder, if at all? Yeah.
2: Well, as John said, you know, if you think of the structures that are there today, often the issuer at uh, the most basic level are only really
3: seeing at a bank nominee level or group level. They can't see what the individual voters are. With prox- I mean, that's certainly an issue that Lindsay and I uh, have all the time with clients. All they get to see is that registered holder. If you're lucky, you can see the, 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 uh, the one below. But, uh, and you need specialist agents to do that. So, so I'm sorry to, 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 to bat in there, Andy, but carry
2: on, please. No, no, it's a big part of the the problem that, that John was explaining. So uh, with proximity, what we do is we provide a level of transparency and reporting that the individual voters, the institutions who submitting the votes, that the vote gets made visible to issue at that level. So when an institution agrees to participate in proximity when they're voting, an issuer can now see, as the vote is submitted, who has submitted it, uh, which greatly assists them with engagement and being able to connect with the voting community. Uh, and that's all available via the platform. So that's a key part, really, if you think of the issuer uh, benefit of proximity, that's the transparency we bring them. Wonderful.
0: Thanks, guys. Just actually, if we could return perhaps to SRD2 and just think, is there anything um, that we haven't touched on yet? And I'm thinking about disclosure implications. I wonder if you could maybe talk to us a little bit, explain what are the implications of disclosure under the regulations and also how proximity can help in that space?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, we touched on the transparency piece already um, there previously, but under the new regulation. There's already mechanisms for disclosures to be requested in a number of the markets, but the SRD2 regulation really sort of tightens that up and provides set templates, time frames in which intermediaries must respond to issuers or issuer agents when they request a disclosure. Um, this mean, And they can request it as often as they want as well. So this means there's going to be added pressure on intermediaries um, to be able to respond electronically, timely, to Disclosure requests and the issuers now have a lot more uh, at their disposal, really. To But for an issuer, also, they've got to have the right means to request it in the right format. So, it, also for them, there's a challenge here. How do I, I want it? I want to answer it. How do I do that? And yeah. What solutions are there?
1: Yeah, and I think you know, shareholder disclosure is it's been out there in several of the markets under different frameworks. And what, what SRD2 does is aim to achieve a degree of harmonization across the EU markets around share disclosure. Um, so you know, in some markets it'll be a new it'll be a new concept in other markets. It will be a slight a slight change of, of the rules. This is supplemental to uh, seven nine three in
3: the UK. Yeah, example, yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. It's a concept that, that kind of many of us are, are kind of used to. I remember what yeah. we, you know one of my one of my previous jobs in Citibank Bank was you know getting these section seven nine three requests and yeah. then responding back. And uh, so so the rules will change. What you know what the shareholder can you know what what the issuer sorry can find out will will slightly change, but how they must do it crucially changes. Um, and you know, if the, again, like with a lot of regulation, the, the, the devil is in the detail, right? You know, there is a you know in the implemented regulation, in the annex, there is a set format and template that you must send to the intermediary to get them to release the information. If you don't comply, they're not then under you know under duress to give up the information. And you have to you know, an issue has to remember the intermediary is no, there's, there's nothing in it for them. Shell yeah. disclosure, their disclosure their underlying clients, something that is is, is a cost to them. So yeah. you know, if if you give them any reason to to, to doubt, you know, your authenticity to receive that information and they simply won't send it back and then there is also a template that the intermediary must comply with to send the information back now if as a company you can't reconcile and read those responses you're going to be you're going to be buried in paperwork so it, it you know sld2 influence regulation is it's definitely about the how you know it's how are these things now going to be done mm-hmm. in a lot of countries so section 793 is the process we used to here in the uk but that now the, the, the rules kind of change about how that's done um and you know, there's other areas of, of, of s r too. You know, corporate actions is also mentioned, yeah, yeah. right? Which you know is a, is a whole other area now. Kind of, I don't know whether depends what side of the fence you sit on, but the implemented regulation doesn't go into the same level of detail as to prescribe, you know, formats for the announcement of each individual mm-hmm. event and responses back. But you could definitely envisage a scenario where that's something that that does come around again, right? For you know, yeah. an extension of that. So. That um, there's a lot to think about in Saudi 2 and you know the implementing date for these these requirements is you know, September next year. Twenty twenty, yeah. Uh, you know there's an awful lot of considerations to think about. There's you know the concept of you know authenticating where the request came from. You know you have to remember, you know if if you want to work out who your shelters are, you're going to have to ask custodian banks to tell you who their clients are. Right, that's the name of the game in layman's terms. Mm-hmm. Um, they're only going to release that information if they believe that you know the request has come from the person who's authorized to see it which is the issuer or their appointed third party so we now need a mechanism for the intermediaries to authenticate the third party is the proper and correct third party to act on behalf of the issuer so once you kind of get under the bonnet of SOD2 there's a lot of things to think about there's a lot of moving parts that are different for each individual actor I think where we're trying to come at from proximity is look that's our problem um you know you know, most listed companies out there are not connected on the SWIFT network. So if that's how they're going to communicate the shareholder disclosure request, let's try and, you know, give them an easy way to send the request into the intermediaries. Let's give the intermediaries an easy way to respond back and forward on the request. Let's try to facilitate this information exchange, which now must take place. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really the, how we're thinking about designing the platform is the, the complexity is ours. And the simple solution really is, is, is to be given to you know, the end user of the platform.
0: Thanks very much, guys. It's really interesting actually hearing all about the developments that have been happening at proximity, and you're obviously um, really, really ahead of the game in terms of uh, what you're looking at developing next. Just in terms of that, it would be great to hear a little bit about the parties you're working with on your journey, actually, the institutions and companies that, that you're, you're assisting and actually liaising with in order to come up with your, your next phase.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, it, a lot of it comes from the very kind of a, early work we did around around validating the the users and their behaviour and what and, you know what service providers they're using today, who's helping them, you know, you know manage their responsibilities right now. So on, on the on the investor side, you know, when we're looking at you know where are where are your average institutional investors consuming meeting information and, and voting back today, um, you know, by, by far and away, that a lot of them are using the services of, of proxy vote advisors, right, and and you know the. The biggest one out there is is iss and I, I think that you know most of the most issues will be aware of them and the role they play uh, you know i think it might surprise people that the percentage of votes that if you like start their life on the mm. iss platform yeah. um you know and if, if you profile your average institutional investor you know they may be offering a number of different funds each which have you know hundreds of separate positions in companies yeah. and then if you think about the average you know company general meeting that might have you know here in the UK, what twenty agenda items, or kind of yeah. less in some markets? There's some significant multipliers there. So, if you're an average institutional investor, they might be having to make, you know, eight thousand, ten thousand decisions, all often compressed into a three month cycle. So, clearly, that behaviour alone, before you kind of exam, you know, examine what they may want to do from a policy point of view, but, but purely from a functional point of view, it's an awful lot of decisions to make, and they're looking for solutions to help help automate some of that. And really, that's the one of the. Uh, I don't want to speak on their behalf. You know, one of the selling points of a proxy vote advisor, right? mm-hmm. you, know, you can define a, a voting policy. We can furnish that with research, and we can, you know, recommend how you might want to discharge your voting obligation in accordance with your policy. Of course, investor always retains the right to override that decision. Um, but really, profiling that behavior led us to okay, how do we work with these proxy vote advisors rather than rather than work against them? You know, what what we've set out in the core vision of Proximity is can we can we solve the 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 communication problem right Um, and clearly then working with them became something that we're very interested in and and, and we've recently launched a a high frequency connection with them earlier this year Uh, you know what that effectively means is our platform's completely interoperable with theirs so you know an investor can benefit from many of the things that proximity gives them you know procuring the information from source um, that comes incredibly quickly um, giving them the maximum amount of decision time, which of course is beneficial to them to make the most informed decision possible, um, and giving them, as Andy mentioned earlier, the, the all-important kind of post-meeting vote confirmation, that finality of the process, uh, and they can get all those benefits with no change in the process. Mm-hmm. So it's another kind of growth driver that that, that, that we think is going to help you know increase the visibility issues we'll get on the platform because we are working with with the, you know some of the main agents, you know, proxy vote advisory agents out there in the market. Uh, and I think on the flip side, certainly our, our, our work with Link is, is similar, but on the other angle, that we have a problem that we think we can bring to to, to many, many issuers and solves, a, solves a, a clear problem they have. But we're also aware that issuers procure a whole other range of services from from their agents, and they continue to want to have that kind of single relationship, if you like, rather than have multiple individual relationships for tiny little different components, you know, proxy voting, management AGM is kind of one component of that yeah. whole stack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think with, with you know, the reach of, of somebody like Link, that, that, you know, that there's, there's clearly a benefit to everybody there. We've, we've got a platform that solves the problem. Uh, Link have got, you know, incredibly important place in many major markets um, and access to some of the issuers that, that, that I think collectively and together we can help. Do you well. want?
0: Great. So just to wrap up, I think we'd we'd love to know, having heard um, so many developments, so many current issues that you're clearly addressing at proximity, which is fantastic. Um, So if we can just put one burning issue uh, to you, which is what's in the light of everything you're working on, what is the issue that's really keeping you awake at night?
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that we've talked about the importance of SRD2. I think that's a, a backbone of a lot of what we're working on and we're focused on between now and next September because it's so important to so many of the people that we're working with. Um, I think one of the challenges with SRD2 is it does put out there a clear framework for a legislation guideline around what each market should adopt. But we've seen some delay in the markets coming out with their final implementing regulations. we are seeing some variation mm-hmm. between how the markets are interpreting it. So although it does seem like a great uniform idea, maybe not surprisingly, there's different interpretations of that, of that filtering through. And I think also there's certain people who September next year feels a long time away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and some people aren't maybe moving as quickly as they can on this or as quickly as we would like um, you know, in terms of confirming with the markets how things work. So I think for some markets are going to be more complex than others. Uh, so for us, it's making sure we're ready for all of them, for uh, which we will be you know, in terms of having a complete solution that meets maybe some of the variations we're going to see. Yeah, and I, I
1: think, Andy, correct. From the, the the deadline for for markets having drafted this and implemented it was already gone. Was it July this year? June, yeah, yeah, the yeah. June or July. So I, I think we only. I think we're just about into double figures of markets that have yeah. got something and, and got it done. There. There's a there's another you know similar nine or ten markets with it in draft status. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's something because there are – Obviously, certain elements are in the implemented regulation, so there's very little you know, movement in terms of how that will be provisioned. But then there are other areas of the directive, which can then be, you know, there's a degree of interpretation at the member state level. Sorry. That then makes a more complicated ecosystem for everybody to navigate in, as well as some markets deciding to, you know, gold plate their legislation with, with additional requirements, right? So I think that the recent one that springs to mind is Spain, where they're introducing this concept of potentially double voting rights for... For shares that have been held for a defined period, which is a concept that's been in Italy and France uh, already with limited kind of um, success, I would say, uh, and certainly a headache for, for people to, to kind of track that inventory. Yeah. You know, when do you accrue the double voting right? When do you lose it? It's more complexity, not less. Uh, and, you know, having that still up in the air with less than 12 months to go is not, is not great position to be in for the industry right yeah. and we're part of the industry so I'm sure you know many other people are going to be saying the same thing about, about look, that, that's not an ideal place to be in um, we'll have to see how it pans out but, but we just have to have to be ready you only do only do the best it's kind of to a degree outside of our control uh, and hopefully having done quite a, a bit of the work already we do we do have the, the ability to make some last minute changes if needed
0: fantastic thank you very much I think we're all poised to see what you're going to do next thank you Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast description for more information on this episode's guests and presenters. And if you want to get in touch with any of us, we'd love to hear from you.